Welcome to the Doctority Plastic Surgery Podcast. My name is Jenna, and in this series, I'll be speaking to plastic surgery residents and giving you an inside look at what it's like to train at their institution. We'll discuss the logistics, the leadership, and the lifestyle of a plastics resident at their program. Today, I'm speaking with Dr. Tori M.A. and Dr. Lacey Flibson, who are residents at the Mayo Clinic in Phoenix, Arizona. Tori is a sixth-year resident. She's originally from Phoenix, completed college and a master's at Arizona State University, and went to medical school at the University of Arizona. She will be completing an aesthetics fellowship with Dr. Jennifer Walden in Austin, Texas next year. Lacey is a fifth-year resident. She's from Vista, California, and went to college at the University of Portland and medical school at Creighton University. She's interested in hand surgery. Tori, Lacey, welcome to the podcast. Hello, thank you for having us. Thanks for being here. So I'd love to start with getting kind of a big picture overview about your program. So it's a six-year program based largely in the entire city. So we are the only integrated program in town, the only plastics program. And so we go all over the city, wherever the learning is best. We spend about 50% of our time at Mayo Clinic and we spend the rest of the 50% of the time throughout the city. Uh, The first couple of years is dedicated mostly to general surgery. um, And then from years three through six, we spend all of it doing plastic surgery. So that's kind of the general overview. And can you give me a breakdown of the plastics experience you get across the first three years? So it's 12 months um, in your first three years. Your first two years is dedicated to your general surgery and core surgical rotations. So that includes burn, orthotrauma, neurosurgery, ICU, dermatology, OMFS, things like that. And then in your third year, you start um, your core plastics. And so that's dedicated completely to plastics for the whole 12 months. Years three through six are three-month blocks of four major components. One is microsurgery and reconstructive surgery, which is done at Mayo Clinic. One is aesthetic surgery, which is done at a private cosmetic surgery center. Craniofacial and pediatric surgery slash adult facial trauma, which is done at a level one trauma center at St. Joseph's Hospital for the facial trauma. And the craniofacial surgery is done at Phoenix Children's Hospital. Hand surgery, which is split up primarily at Mayo Clinic, working with our hand surgeons, but also at Maricopa, which is a county hospital. Actually, it's Valley Wise Health now, and it's one of our major county hospitals, this level one trauma. Are there any plastics rotation in the first two years, or do you just really get started in your third year? You really get started in your third year. You build a foundation is kind of like the step to becoming a doctor. You still attend didactics when you're able to on certain rotations. So when it's a general surgery rotation, you're with general surgery, and you're included in part of their team, learning the essentials of being a surgeon in general. And then as you progress through, you transition basically to a full-time plastics resident. Yeah, I feel like our program really values the first two years as core surgical general surgery-based program. And not that you take their in-service exam, but you try to integrate with that program very intensely and become a part of that still being able to communicate with us and be a part of our team, but mainly it's very focused on getting general surgery principles and other consulting services that you would get like neurosurgery, vascular, all of those under serious control at that point. 
And then from three to six, I would say it's very independent management of patients when you're on your plastic surgery rotation. So you focus very hard because by the time you get to your third year, you're kind of more independent and working on your own, managing all of these patients' care independently. And you mentioned a few of the different sites. Just to make sure we capture all of those, can you go through those? We do the Mayo Clinic Hospital as our primary site um, that we spend 50% of the time at. And then we spend time at what is considered our county hospitals called Valleywise. It used to be called Maricopa Medical Center. Um, that's a level one. We also spend time at the Paradise Valley Cosmetic Center, which has both private offices and an outpatient surgery center. We spend time at St. Joseph's Hospital, which is also a level one trauma center downtown, and then time at Phoenix Children's Hospital, which is a level one children's hospital. Those are our primary sites. We don't actually spend any time at the VA. And are there any independent residents or fellows at your program? There are no independent uh, residents or fellows in the entire state of Arizona. It is just us. And what are the research expectations like? I would say you have a minimum, which is three papers. Over the course of your time, so that's about one paper every two years. That is super easy to get at our program because you have no excuse for some of the stuff that normally causes people to slow down. We've got statisticians, librarian that does all your lit searches for you. Medical illustrators. Medical illustrators, editors. They'll even format and submit your paper for you if you really wanted to. They'll also make your poster for you. If you they want. make your posters for you. And not saying that, you know, we don't know how to do that because if you don't have enough time, then you have to do it yourself. But you've got it if you need it. So it's really wonderful. And then our attendings are really, really good at jumping in and helping with editing. I think Dr. Tevin is one of our new attendings and has just been awesome in helping come up with ideas, see the ideas through. It's contagious. You just want to get stuff done. I wouldn't say I saw myself as a heavy researcher, but somehow it bit me and now I'm just eating them up like candy. Sounds like it lets you enjoy the process of research without getting bogged down by a lot of the, you know, more frustrating aspects of it. Yes. They've got this awesome thing too, where they can search the Mayo system. So Rochester, Florida, all of those places and pull that data in a meaningful way where you could look by CPT codes and they'll pull out all the ages, the dates of the surgery, everything. So really when you sit down, it's not as much sifting as you would have expected. Additionally, the medical students that we work with are so impressive and they work super hard and it's been great. So the research in my mind was a very pleasant benefit that I enjoy doing now and it's not that stressful as it used to be for me. It seems like one benefit of being part of the Mayo system is access to like the patient population potentially for research across different sites. What other kind of interactions do you have with like your sister campuses? Mayo Florida does not have a plastic surgery residency. So sometimes we'll interact with them like on joint M&Ms and things like that virtually. We've had their their chair of their department come and speak with us as a as a visiting professor, but we actually have a much closer tie with Mayo Rochester, which does have an integrated program, and just recently, I think, transitioned out of their independent. 
So um, we actually go up to Mayo Rochester to see what the site is like. And we spend a month there actually on OMFS, oral maxillofacial surgery. Typically, you do that in your second year, I believe. Yeah. Um, in addition to that, they actually send a resident down to Phoenix to get more exposure to craniofacial um, anesthetics, since we have so much of that here. And they spend four months uh, of their fifth year, I believe. And so we get to know them really, really well. We're friends with most of them. I mean, you go up there and They're you cool. hang out with them. You see them at boot camp, things like that. The cool part is, is that we don't have to go up there. But I think the experience that we get when we're out there, the main mayo is just very similar to our mayo, but somewhat different in ways. And it's just very cool to kind of get the original mayo experience, which I think is the whole reason. Mm -hmm. And then the OMFS people out there are excellent. And so it's just a different experience. And I really enjoyed it. They put you up in a hotel, they give you a car. Everybody's really nice. You get to see the whole Rochester, Minnesota experience. What kind of opportunities are there for electives? So you get a month of dedicated elective in your fifth year. You can basically go anywhere in the world that you want. Right now, we're a little restricted with COVID. Um, however, um, it's basically the world is your oyster. We've had people go and work with um, Rod Rourke and Toriyami and has gone to Kenya. Dr. Like Howarth went to Luis Macias and went to Rod Rourke's. Mm -hmm. And then even hung out with Saul Azuz, one of our old fellows in alumni. Texas, which was great. And then yeah. Luis Macias is a old alumni too. Yeah. So there's a lot of good opportunities. I haven't decided what I want to do for my elective. If things clear up, I would probably want to go to Kenya or do mm -hmm. some extended mission trip. But at the same time, I also want to see what's around here and maybe there's something out there like. Toby Meltzer, the guy that does all the... all oh, the gender affirmation? Yes. That mm. would be kind of cool to see, too. Because really, the world is your oyster. I mean, I'm probably going to wind up staying in town and working with some of the private practice folks in town. It's twofold. I want to come back to Arizona after my fellowship and do some aesthetics with the people in town and kind of work around here. However, also, you know, I am limited just because of the current pandemic. But luckily, I was fortunate to have an experience going to Ecuador with one of our hand surgeons. Unfortunately, Lacey's trip this year was canceled because yeah. of the pandemic. But we also, so this elective is outside of your opportunity to do international travel and, and mission trips. So you still get that as well um, if you'd like to. It's beautiful. A lot of our attendings have different passions and they just make it happen for the residents. They just kind of open the door to let all of us experience that with them. It's very cool. You mentioned Kenya a couple times. Do you have a, like an established experience in Kenya? We do. We work with Peter Nathamba, and he actually has a new partner, Justin yeah. Daggart. They do. They work together. They do everything and they have, down there. They're trying to establish um, it's, it's, a plastic surgery residency in Africa, mm -hmm. um, and so we've been in discussions with them about potentially taking some of their trainees once they start their, their program and having them come train at Mayo. Um, so there's all these collaborations that are sort of in the works. One of our alumni, Nicole Kernick went down there for a month and worked with them. She said it was invaluable experience. She subsequently did a fellowship at university of Washington for craniofacial. And then now is going to become one of our attendings at the Phoenix children's hospital. But she said that that was just an incredible experience to work with those people. 
going into the cosmetic experience a bit, you mentioned you actually spend about four months a year starting in your third year in predominantly a cosmetic setting. So the way our program works is three through six, you do three month rotations on four different things. And it's just a cycle of that. So it's three months on aesthetics every year from three through six. There's one exception in your fifth year, you give up one of those months of aesthetics, but instead you get oculoplastics with one of our just favorite attendings, Dr. Lisa Mansueto. Oh my gosh. Awesome. She's incredible. So you do that. And then I think Lacey is about to mention in your, in your chief year. Yep, exactly. Proceed. Yep. You get a chief clinic. So that's not, that's not taking away from your um, aesthetics rotation. That's in addition to, and so every other Friday you get your own chief clinic that's based out of one of our private practice offices where we actually do our aesthetics rotation. And our attending is so graciously offered to allow us to run a clinic that he helps supervise. So we see our own patients and those aren't just like filler and Botox. So you get a a number of those, but you also get to do preoperative workups and screen candidates for possible potential surgeries that you do as their, as our primary surgeon, essentially. And so um, they're all aesthetics patients. And then whenever those patients are available for surgery and there's time in the operating room there, um, then you are allowed to leave the rotation that you're on to go operate on those patients. It's a great way to get really good autonomy prior to going out into the working field. In addition, it's great for the residents that are supporting the chief. I've done a number of cases with our chiefs, and you really get the experience of what it's like to do something on your own. And of course, Dr. Maffey's around and immediately available, but you are working together and doing the case yourself. And it's great to experience that as a junior resident, seeing your chief do it and support them through it. And it's also, I think, very exciting to get to do by yourself. Oh, it's awesome. And it's out of the same office you've been training out of. So you know all the support staff, you know all the OR techs, you know everyone. And so it's a a big family experience. And it's an honor to get to do that. I mean, Dr. Maffey is incredible. And that whole team there is just great. And do you get any exposure to gender affirmation surgery? You know, that's the one thing that Mayo is really trying to work hard on. It's hard to set that up just because, you know, you need buy-in from so many multidisciplinary um, departments. So we, the short answer is not really at the moment. We can do top surgery. There is someone in town that does bottom surgery, but we don't work with them directly. Although I'm sure if you wanted to, you certainly could. It'd be a, like a, uh, an elective you could probably mm-hmm. get going there. But Mayo is currently trying to work towards building, I don't know if you could call it a center, but at least um, a team of physicians that would perform um, basically gender affirmations surgery as well as all the care for those patients. I feel like if it came through the door, we would of course do it. Mm-hmm. And I've seen some of those cases perform top surgery. But I agree with you that we are still working towards it, but not there yet. Mm -hmm. It would be lovely if it happened. It would. I will say Mayo in that respect is conservative in that they always want to have the ducks in line before they just jump into something. And so right now they're trying to establish that with endocrinology and psychiatry and neurology. And so those are all the kind of the pieces in play at the moment. Mm -hmm. So hopefully in the future, Mayo's undergoing a huge expansion right now. So I think that that's going to be hopefully part of it. In addition to that, is there anything else you would like to improve about your program? You know, I think um, it's kind of interesting because we only have six residents. And so every time we have a thought to improve something, we kind of just springboard off of that and try to implement it. So this year, 
We're trying to add more practical lab experience. Right now we have a cadaver lab for a flap course and a microsurgery course, but we're trying to add in other courses as well, just for the resident learning. Throughout the year to kind of help make it a little bit more robust. Mm -hmm. Not that I felt like it was lacking, but more as sometimes better. Sometimes better. I think it would be great to try it out and see if it improves some of our our experiences. So then we're also, um, we are just about to start a new complex case discussion with all of our attendings. So one of the kind of nice things that the pandemic has brought about is that every is becoming a lot more facile with using virtual streaming modalities. And so, and that includes a lot of our older attendings. And so this is going to be complex cases that are discussed with the residents sort of in a mock oral fashion, but also uh, as an opportunity for us to discuss potential treatment plans for these just very complex patients um, with all the attendings in town that are part of our program. So we're going to be starting that. We just sort of got our feet wet with that. Yeah, we're about to start really next good. Week. Um, and then the other thing that we're working on starting is actually a citywide medical student interest group that would be accessible to everybody. Um, right now, um, we do... A, welcome anybody who's interested into our didactic sessions, mm-hmm. which is Monday and Thursday mornings. And so all they have to do is shoot us um, a message and, and we send them a Google link so that they can um, basically participate if they'd like to. They can either email us based on our last name dot our first name at mayo.edu, or they can message us through any of the, our online platforms. Instagram is a very easy way of doing that. So if they want to seek us out on Instagram, we can easily incorporate them into our didactic conferences via Zoom. And is there any one area of plastic surgery that you'd say residents come out feeling like they had the strongest experience in? I'd probably say hand because our program director for about 10 or 15 years was a hand surgeon, Dr. Tony Smith. He actually is the most recent past president of ACAPS as well. We do a solid year of hand surgery. And I will say that, you know, just because of the nature of hand surgery, you can do so many more cases than such as like microsurgery. So if a deep were to take you all day, you can do nine cases of hand surgery in a day. And so I think just based on the nature of hand surgery, you are allowed to be exposed to more volume. And so I think that's a probably, and we take a ton of hand call it mayo proper, not so much as in the community. Um, so like, for instance, we don't do really any replants, but you get used to working with hands and doing hand surgery. I'm interested in hand and going to be applying here coming up, but facial trauma too, though. They suck you in. It's so good. They're they're great teachers, great people. They really suck you in. That being said, I feel like our micro has been heating up. Yeah. So we've had a couple new attendings come into the program, which has been wonderful. It has made cases increase. Not that we were lacking before, but it's been just so dynamic having more interesting cases. Dr. Kruger is now heading up the wound care center too. Before we used to struggle to get our numbers in pressure sores, surprisingly, <laughs> and now it is not a problem. And he, he had done a fellowship in complex wound care before coming here. And so it's been great to have him do some of that. The microsurgery has been robust. You get a ton of facial trauma experience. A ton of facial trauma experience. Wonderful with Dr. Holcomb. And Dr. Latiri is an adult craniofacial surgeon. And he works between Valleywise Health and Mayo Proper. And he is incredible to work with in the sense that he does a ton of complex, challenging ENT cases, neurosurgery cases, 
and just trauma cases in general. He's an excellent microsurgeon and craniofacial surgeon, so you get the breadth of that. Dr. Shab is at the Phoenix Children's Hospital and does congenital hand, which is incredible to work with him and do some of the complex syndactyles, pulsizations. Everyone gets very comfortable with everything. As I'm coming into my final years here, I'm kind of like, okay, what do I really want to focus in on now? And that was something that our program director said to me, Dr. Casey. He's like, okay, you've got your numbers. What are the things that you really want to learn before you get out of here? And let's do it. And so you really have the opportunity to kind of hone in on what you want and the sky's the limit. The one thing that is interesting is that the program is actually specifically designed to have a well-balanced exposure. You're not running the plastic service all the time at Mayo Clinic. You're going to do a specific thing in a certain area, um, and that's very balanced throughout. That's why we can have 12 months of aesthetics and, and 12 months of micro, because it is so balanced. Any particularly awesome perks about your program you'd like to share? You should talk about swag. We get swag. We get swag. So um, loops are really expensive, um, as it turns out. And so we are very fortunate to be fitted with loops, um, and they're gifted to us by the program. But we also get a Mayo computer. You get scrubs, which are figs. You get a jacket. Honestly, it's nice because when you go to, like, Mayo Rochester, they pay for all that. They pay for your flight. They pay for your stay. They pay for your car. They have um, wonderful resources in terms of going to meetings that yes. you know, give you a very nice stipend to go to meetings and also to do meetings where you don't present. So just attendance trips um, mm-hmm. and things like that. But they also cover things like us going to boot camp. All those things aren't out of your pocket. The other nice thing is that the, our pay is actually increased every year based on inflation a little bit. And so you mm-hmm. get an increase in pay just based on PGY year, but also an additional about 1.5% every year in addition just for inflation of the market. So you have all these resources available to you um, and Mayo is able to do that. The other thing is too, like if your paper gets accepted to a journal, which you have to pay, they will cover the cost. Like I've never been like, oh, I have to pay this amount of money. So cost of journals are covered. We get nine days a year to go to conferences and they're paid for. Last year, I went to Bologna, Italy, which was awesome for the World Microsurgery Meeting. The department will buy whatever book you want. Yes. You want a book, you got it. You want two of those, you can have them. So like, yeah, you're not restricted by that resource, which is really nice. And, you know, it's just kind of like whatever you can envision, they can make it happen. You just have to come up with the idea and ask for it. And I think the other thing comes from, I deeply respect all of my co-residents. And I think that they do a really good job of if they're asking for something or if they're doing something, they're doing it to their maximal extent. And I think that that's appreciated by the program. You know, we all work very hard coming up with cool ideas, doing something new, and we get, therefore, get the resources to do them because we do them well and we follow through. And it's a beautiful relationship like that. I don't think I want for anything. And as far as the residency is concerned, I don't really see a huge weakness. I mean, I guess she pointed out a good one that if you want to go into gender affirmation surgery, that maybe this isn't the program yet for you. But as far as everything else, bread and butter, plastic surgery, you get it. 
I mean, the other nice thing, though, is that even if you want something that is something like gender affirmation surgery that we don't really have yet, they'll find um, it. They'll, they know people everywhere. These well, are like Rochester the has a program. Connected so. attendees I've ever met. Um, and they're like, oh, let me just call such and such, or I trained with so and so, or that was my roommate. And they'll just make a phone call. And it's not like they'll make a phone call someday for you. It's like they make a phone call later that day. And they're like, oh, here's their cell phone number. Give them a call. You have all these resources, but you have this built in network. Which kind of leads into another topic, you know, because we're the only residency program in Arizona mm-hmm. without any fellows or independents, everybody, all the attendees in town, they know us. You, you can't escape it. And we work with so many. I mean, we have a faculty that's probably like 25 to 30 large, if you include all of our adjuncts that we work with pretty regularly. And so you cannot escape having a network available to you um, that you are part of. And you have to think, you know, look at the lineage of all these folks where they train and who they know. And so you just automatically get this available to you, which I think is sort of priceless. That is a hidden gem component. I can't can't can't, value on that one. That is, yeah, it's just wonderful to have this community lifting up all the residents and allowing them to do everything that they wanted to do. Especially, you know, in the aesthetic private world, people are welcoming you into their ORs with their private aesthetic patients and want to show you everything that they know that they've built their whole life doing. And you just can't put a number or a price on that. It's really valuable. I'm so grateful for it. I mean, we always talk about how plastic surgery is a small world, but, you know, they they help make it even smaller, Um, but for the better. I'd love to hear a little bit more about your program leadership. So your chair and your PD. So the chair of our department is Alana Rebecca. She is a wonderful and very skilled and talented microsurgeon. She does a lot of really complex uh, reconstruction, not just breast reconstruction, but Mayo is also a sarcoma center. So we work very closely with our orthopedic colleagues to do reconstructions uh, for sarcoma patients. Our program director is Dr. Bill Casey also a microsurgeon at Mayo Clinic. And then we don't actually have an associate program director at the moment. Um, so those are our top leadership. And then we also have site directors. So it's a little misleading because we have that leadership, but we also have site directors. And so for instance, our site directors downtown at our Phoenix Children's Hospital and St. Joseph's Hospital are Dr. Travis Holcomb and then Dr. Devinder Singh. Um, so those are our site directors down there. Terry Mafia is our site director at our aesthetics rotation. We have Maricopa, mm-hmm. Scott Swanson is the hand surgeon down there. A lot of faculty that sort of um, build into this leadership scheme. Can you tell me about a time when you or some of the other residents brought up a concern or an issue to, you know, any of the leaders and how that was addressed? So we actually have started implementing town hall meetings quarterly where the residents meet directly with the PD um, and any associated uh, site directors or anyone else who may be uh, involved to bring up our concerns, ideas. So it's not always negative. It's a lot of times positive. Like we want to do X, Y, and Z with the program. What, how can we do that to facilitate that? Or I'm about to go into this rotation. This is my concern. And that's again, where these faculty are like, you know, let me just make a phone call and um, we'll help facilitate that. Um, So I think because it's not a program that's steeped in tradition, that they are flexible and willing to change. So we are usually pretty well accommodated. Now, focusing a little bit more on the relationships among the residents, what's that like in your program? Considering we have a 
we have a group chat that we pretty much blow up on our phones every day. Yeah, it's been blowing up already <laughs> this morning. So I would I would say one of the things is that you should know if you come to this program, we are all working together, but we don't work together every day, right? I see Tori and the rest of the team typically if they're not on the same hospital with me Monday morning and Thursday morning and then at our journal club. And I think that's about it during, you know, our normal experience. That being said, we have the text line, we're talking, we're communicating, everybody answers their phone for each other. We are each other's family, but I don't work with everyone on a daily basis. But that I think sometimes it's better. It works for me. And I think it works for a lot of our residents in the sense that we don't have this giant hierarchy of stuff. You are the resident. And since we have a mentorship model of education, you work with the physician assistant and you're attending and you work as a team, kind of like you would if you worked in any other practice, right? Like a normal plastic surgeon, you usually are kind of either by yourself or have a small group, or in, but you all kind of communicate together and work with each other. We're around, we're available, we're a phone call away, and we have a text line that is hilarious at all times and somebody's saying something, but we don't necessarily see each other on a daily basis, nor do we work with each other on a daily basis. If you're at Mayo, usually there's always somebody on hand and there's always somebody on micro, and then that's how we kind of connect together. Additionally, I would say general surgery is a very good friend to us. And because we spend so much time during our first two years, we become a part of that larger family. And so I'm still very connected to all of our general surgery colleagues and see them as a family as well. I know it's a little hard right now living through a pandemic, but in normal times, how much time do you spend together outside of work? Um, I think, you know, we, we always have like events for holidays, like we'll have like, you know, a Halloween party or we'll have, you know, a Christmas get together situation, 4th of July, things like that. In lieu of that right now, um, we are mostly communicating via text and things like that um, and meeting in small groups of anything. But typically we're pretty involved. Everybody knows everybody's people and their personal family units. I would say like we'd probably call each other up and say like, hey, you want to get dinner because I know that you're not busy tonight type of a thing. I wouldn't say, yeah, that, that probably happens a lot. I wouldn't say that we're like, okay, team meeting, we're all going to get drinks tonight. Like that's not going to happen because we're all all busy. over the place and mm-hmm. have our, you know, crazy schedules. So at least someone's on call. That doesn't work. I think it would work better if there was like a ginormous program and we could just be like, drinks tonight and then whoever shows up. I've called it before. I've been like, it's time. We're all meeting together and then we just make it happen. I would say there's no standard other than we have like our normal holiday stuff and people invite each other over for stuff. But but we're connected more independently with each other and we call Mm -hmm. each other and... And there's not really the degrees of separation that you think of in a traditional hierarchy. The intern can call whoever she wants. And, you know, I rely heavily on the input and perspective from the two down from me. So my pre-chief, which is Lacey, and the and our fourth year, which is Danny Thornburg. Um, so, you know, I think that we think of it more as like a horizontal hierarchy from a professional standpoint. And then on a personal level, we all really enjoy each other. So we're pretty closely communicating with one another. 
Now, just a bit more about how residents choose to live. So do most people own or rent and are those homes or apartments? Four of six currently own a house and two of six rent an apartment. So I bought a house when I moved here and it's been awesome. I guess one thing to say is that this is a city-wide program in that we have a downtown, north, west, east areas that we go to. But everything is about, at maximum, at least for me, is 20 minutes, 20 minute drive. And we don't really have traffic, which is crazy because well, we're a huge city. You have traffic, but you're not usually driving at you're that time. You're not driving at that time. <laughs> so I don't really, I don't sit in any traffic pretty much ever. Except for after conference going downtown. Maybe after conference going town, you send 10 minutes, but like everybody knows where you are. It's fine. There's like no stress behind it. You get there when you get there. There's this 51 freeway that's kind of our corridor. And so people kind of live somewhere near that freeway system in the sense that it gets you to everywhere you need to go. I live downtown. Tori lives up kind of middle of the 51. The nice thing is that it's very affordable to live here. So you Mm -hmm. are able to purchase a home. Because I remember when I was interviewing, you know, one of the questions was, you know, do I need to have a roommate? But here, I don't think you do necessarily. If you don't want to, you can buy a house. You can, you know, own a car. You don't have to pay for parking. There's no payment for parking. You don't have to walk 10 minutes to get into a hospital. That being said, though, you probably would need a vehicle because we are sort of spread out. You have to have a car unless you want like a humongous Uber bill. Obviously, there's no snow here, so your door is not going to like freeze shut or anything. So it's, it's pretty much sunny all year round um, with some very sporadic rainstorms here and there. And we actually often joke that, you know, you can't shovel sunshine. And are residents more single, married, kids? What's the spread there? I think everyone is in a relationship of some kind. Um, one of our residents, Nellie, just had her second baby, which she had in residency. And in terms of married Half of us are married and the other half are in relationships. And we all have dogs. Every single one of us has yeah, a dog. Yeah, we all have a dog. dog. I mean, some of us have a cat or no animal. That's fine. But, it's allowed. But we have dogs. And lots of plants. Lots of plants and dogs. So you mentioned a couple of things you like about Phoenix already. So affordability, easy to get around. Anything else that you like about living there? I think there's something for everyone here. You know, if you want to go drive up north and go to the mountains you can you can snowboard and ski there in the winter mm-hmm. if you want to go to the beach it's i mean it's not here but it's six hours away it's not very far everything is pretty accessible so um what are your favorite things to do here what do you you know here? i actually really like night hiking which i think is really fun i also like gardening a lot you like to run you're yeah so like i ran this morning early because it gets a little warm right now but i typically run I really like to cycle, so I'll cycle around the city. There's multiple mountains that are accessible like within 10 minutes that you can hike that get you up pretty high, and it's a great exercise. So I'll do that after work sometimes, and that's where like night hiking can come into play too. I've hiked to the Grand Canyon. I like to ski in Flagstaff, which is two and a half hours away. So you can do a day trip there and go skiing all day. It's also a very quick flight to Utah. So yes. if you want to ski in Utah, in places, yeah. my parents live in San Diego. So I drive six hours and then I, I'm an avid surfer. So I surf with them and hang out and do all of that. So 
You can get away pretty quick here, especially because this is a major hub, especially for Southwest and American Airlines. So you can get out pretty quick here. And my travel time to the airport is 10 minutes. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty central. <laughs> you know, the other nice thing though, is a lot of people have children. So not just in our, you know, Nellie has uh, two young kids mm-hmm. in our, in our program, but um, there's a lot of other families that are involved in residencies. Um, so like general surgery residents mm-hmm. and ENT residents or whatever. So there's a, a lot of people that you can just kind of get together with that have similar interests in life. If they have kids and you guys want to hang out in the pool or whatever it may have you, it's just a very livable place. It's a big city feel that you can do a lot in with your salary. So that's almost everything I wanted to talk about. Any final thoughts on either your program in particular or the process of picking a residency program? My main piece of advice in picking a residency program is to pick something that fits you. I remember, you know, applying, everyone says, you know, apply to the best places and this and that and the other thing. And I think that everybody is unique and you have to make your own pros and cons lists and things you're looking for. And that includes where does your significant other want to live? Where is your family located? How affordable is it? Things like that that are really practical. And I think those are important things to consider when you choose a program. And then how well do you fit? You know, if you're going to wake up and be on call and you see yourself across the table from someone at two in the morning, do you like that person? How much do you want to be there? Um, Those are just really important things. Oh, I echo that entirely. I think you have to be happy where you're at. And it's a long training program and it's hard. And you've got to have your people. Just find a good fit. All of these programs across the country have pros and cons, but they're all really good. You know, all of them have great things to offer. It's about finding the people and kind of the right fit, just like Tori said. Any like single piece of advice for someone going into interviews? Be yourself. Just be you. We're a quirky and odd. At least I am for sure. We all are. And I love that a part of me and I love that a part of my other residents. And so just be you and just let the cards fall. It'll all work out. If students want to find out more, what's the best way to go about that? I think our Instagram would be really easy to do. You could hit us up through there. I've been checking that frequently. The other thing is, is I'm pretty certain you put down our names underneath the podcast. All you have to do is put our last name dot our first name at mayo.edu. Neither Tori or I will be happy to help you with that. With one caveat, my formal name is Victoria. So, oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you guys so much for speaking with me today. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you for doing this. Thank you for listening to the Doctority Plastic Surgery Podcast. Never miss an episode by subscribing to our show via your favorite podcast service and following us on Instagram and Twitter. For more podcast episodes and residency information, check out our website, doctority.co. That's doctority.co. We love feedback from listeners, so please contact us through the website or through social media with your questions or suggestions. See you next time.